Right, I want to welcome everybody. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, verses um, 13 through 15 this morning. So as you find that, I'll, I'll kind of get into context. Galatians chapter 5, in there, Paul, he writes to his church in Galatia, and he tells them, hey, what happened to you guys? Who, who has bewitched you? Who's fooled you? Who has tricked you into thinking that you have to add something to Jesus to, to be saved, to know Christ, to grow in your faith. And, and he goes in and, and he leads through this. And, and then he comes in to chapter 5, verse 13. And, and he says, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So as, as we come into this, what Paul says in, in the middle of all of that, he says that, that the key to it is, he says, is through love to serve one another. So, so this is where he's, he's emphasizing is serving others is the key to avoiding self-centeredness. It, it, it keeps us from going inward all the time and instead it helps us to see out and to see those around us. So it's interesting as we come in to, to our culture today, a big phrase, and it's been around for a little while, is giving back. You know, we need to give back. And you'll hear people say that, you know, I want to give back. And, and it means that I want to serve. I want to not just take, but I want to serve others. And, and so I did a, a search on that and, you know, kind of did, you know, a real technical internet search giving back. What does that mean? And, and it came in and it, it popped up a bunch of different stuff. And, and then it gave a bunch of, of research papers of, of academic research that had been done. And, and uh, the, the, the line that they use for it, it it's not um, giving back. They call it productivity for some weird reason. But, um, but, but if you look, you know, you see productivity, you would never connect the two. And, and that's confusing for me, but, but I'll just say that. I haven't figured that out yet. But anyway, in there, they, they have all of these, um, <clears throat> they have all of these different things. And people, people feel good when they do things for other people. For instance, there was one um, study that, that talked about serving or giving back um, in, in relation to sleep, to how people sleep. So they did a whole research project on how helping other people helps you to sleep. And so as, as I skimmed through this, it said people who serve other people sleep better. You sleep better. So if you're helping other people, you will sleep better. It says you have better physical and mental health and better longevity. So, so they came in and, and put these things out and they said it also in, uh, decreases the, the incidence of sleep apnea and other stuff. And I thought, wow, people could just help people out and they'd get rid of their CPAP and, and some things. So it, it was interesting to kind of look at, at the different things that, coming, that, that were coming out there. And there were other studies as well. But, but maybe, just maybe they're onto something there. And, and maybe we're made to serve each other since it has so many positive benefits. I mean, maybe, maybe that's the thing that, that all of these um, studies 
are, are coming up with. And it's interesting because we're in a culture that's moving further and further and further away from biblical um, morality, yet in, in the middle of it all, we see this move in certain areas, certain biblical concepts we see the world gravitating towards because there are benefits to that. There are definite um, benefits towards our well-being. So as Jesus followers, serving others is really at the heart of it all. I mean, really, when we come down to it as followers of Jesus, serving other people really um, comes down to the heart of, of what Jesus has called us to as, as we worship him. And, and Jesus commands us to love one another as he has loved us. And our new life in him is, is to be a life that's driven by his love and driven by his concern for others. He tells us, you know, this is how the world's going to know that you know me is by the way that you love other people, by the way that you care for other people, by the way that you serve other people, by the way that you treat other people, by the way that you treat one another. And, and so the ultimate concern that we can show for someone, I mean, obviously would be to share Christ with them, to let them know why we are who we are, why we are driven to be the way that we are, why we live the way that we live. And, and along with that, we're to serve people in regards to their current needs. We're to serve others and, and to see the needs around us and to reach out to meet those needs. So this is one of the ways that we stay on the path that Jesus has called us to be on. So as we come in here, I want us to look at, at three things. And the first one, he says, for you are called to freedom Brothers, only do not let use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Um, so he's called us to freedom. And, and Jesus gives us a new heart and he gives us a fresh beginning. When he says he's called us to freedom, the freedom he's talking about is salvation. We've been called to Christ. We've been set free from sin and shame. So we've been called to freedom. So we've been given a new heart and a fresh beginning. Salvation sets us free. It sets us free from a performance-based security where everything that... <clears throat> That, that there is depends on me. Um, we, we come in there and, and some people live their lives this way. Like my relationship with God is fully dependent on me. I've got to always do the right things. If I do the wrong things, God won't love me. I have to continually perform. So it's a performance-based thing. We've been set free from that. And this is what Paul, one of the things that Paul is speaking against here in Galatians is against his performance-based thing. We're free from the fear that, that we haven't measured up. I mean, a lot of times people just live in fear. You know what? I just don't measure up. I'm just not as good as this person. Or, or we're comparing ourselves and stacking ourselves up in, in different ways. We're free from expectations that we can never fulfill. You know, have you ever um, felt like I just can't be good enough? I just can't do it. And, and salvation sets us free from that mindset that, that I can't fulfill the expectations. I can never be what, what, um, what everybody expects me to be. Now, the flip side of that would be the picture of the person who thinks that they have performed well enough. For instance, you got the, the, uh, the parable of the, the, the story of the Pharisee and the publican. And, and the Pharisee is, he's the very religious guy. The publican, he's the tax collector. He's hated and despised by everybody. They're in the, they go in and they're praying. And, and Jesus said, Look, the, the, the tax collector, he leaned down and beat his breast. And said, God, have mercy on me, a sinful man. And the Pharisee, the religious guy, he stood there and, and he's like, oh, God, 
I am so good. I'm not like this dude over here. I, I fast. I pray. I keep the rules. I do everything right. I've got the right clothes. I mean, I am, I am here. Thank you, God, that I'm not like him. And, and Jesus says, so, who of the two do you think God heard? He heard the tax collector, the guy that everybody hates. Because the guy that was a tax collector, he was real. And he understood who he was. And he wasn't living based on expectations. You see, we've been set free from legalistic structures that have nothing to do with following Jesus. You know, a lot of times people have um, these structures and you've got to fit within these to fit in to the mold. Um, For instance, many years ago when I was a kid, you always had to wear the right clothes. If you didn't go to church in the right clothes, you just didn't go. And, and can you imagine, I mean, imagine having three boys and having to keep them in Sunday clothes on one salary. Look, I mean, it's under threat of death. If you boys play football in your Sunday pants, you're dead. You know, because that's just the way it was. You, you cracked those out on Sunday. And, and so you've got these structures and we've been set free from that because our serving God is not dependent upon our ability to purchase clothing. It's not based upon the labels that we wear. It's, it's based upon our hearts and our understanding. It's not based upon the Bible that I read. It's based on the fact that I read the Bible. It's, it's a different thing. It's, it's something that is different. We've been set free from these legalistic structures of, of, of um, following the rules made by man, instead being moved to following the Word of God. We've been set free from the burdens that other people want to place on us. You know, other people having expectations on us and trying to perform to please other people. We've been set free from guilt and shame. We've been set free from our insecurities. Those things that constantly pop up and make us think, you know, I just don't really fit in here. I, I, I don't know if I can be one of these people. And what we don't realize until we come to Christ, when we come to Christ, we look around the room and we go, I am one of these people. We're all in the same boat together, rowing together, looking to Christ. And, and he has brought us in here. He has changed us and saved us because he alone is the one who has made us holy and blameless before God. You see, these are just a few of the things that shackle us down. These are just a few of the things that hold us back. And as, as we come, they, they hold us in this cage of sin. And Jesus sets us free from that cage through his death, burial, and resurrection. This is what Jesus did for us. He's the one who has done it. We have been given a new heart and a fresh beginning in Jesus. Salvation is a call to freedom from the bondage to sin. That's ultimately where where we come in. He's called us to be freed from where we are to being who he has called us and created us to be. So we've been set free to live within the spacious boundaries of God's grace. The grace of God is a very spacious place. It's a big place to live. Um, In 1 John 4.10, it says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And in other words, that, that word propitiation means Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He took our sin and shame and gave us his righteousness. He took my guilt 
He gave me His holiness. That's what He did in His death on the cross. So Paul is reminding the Galatians that they've, that they've been saved by grace and not by works of the flesh. That's, that's the message here that he's coming at, and it's the extravagant love and grace of God we've received through no work of our own. In Romans 5 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died when we were in our sin, not because we were good enough. In Ephesians 2 8 9, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no man should boast. So we are saved by grace through faith. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul said, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Paul said in that passage, he's saying, Look, the, the other 11 guys, the other 11 apostles, they were called by Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They, they lived with Jesus. I was called abnormally. I was out killing Christians, and Jesus appeared to me. I was called abnormally. And he said, and I've worked harder than anybody, but that's not, why I'm, that's not why I'm saved. That's not why I'm right with God. It was by the grace of God. It was not through my work. It was the grace of God that is with me. And it's because of this great gift of salvation that we're given a warning and a charge. So he goes on, he says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So we are given a new heart and a fresh beginning, and then we're called to resist self-centeredness. He says, resist self-centeredness. When he talks about this opportunity of the flesh, the gift of salvation is something that we have to care for diligently. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's not something that we just kind of look at and go, oh, you know, I'm, I, um, <clears throat> I've just got this thing, and it's there. No, he says, he warns us, Paul warns us not to use our freedom in Christ is a springboard to satisfy desires having no origin in, in Jesus. That's what an opportunity is. It's a springboard. It's an opportunity. It's something that we can come and bounce off of to do something. <clears throat> I know um, Pastor Greg has shared in the past that he, you know, when he was little, he wanted to be in the NBA. And, and um, you know, if you realize, you know, it doesn't take long to understand that guys who are five foot eight don't play in the NBA. Um, but uh, but he practiced and, and hard and hard and hard. And, um, you know, he is never going to do Michael Jordan without one of those little trampoline things. That's what an opportunity is. That's his opportunity to be Michael Jordan is to have that springboard. Now, I, I also, you know, when I was a kid, I thought that I might be able to play basketball too, and then I realized I'm the slowest guy on the block, so that didn't work either. You know, I got height, but, but not, probably not enough height for that, but, um, but no speed. But, but the, the deal is, is you have <clears throat> Jesus as the one who has redeemed us and saved us and given us a new heart and a new beginning. And we're not to use that as a springboard to satisfy desires that have no origin in Christ. This is what he's saying. Don't, don't use your salvation as an opportunity to, to satisfy the flesh. And, and the flesh are the desires that lead us away from trusting Jesus and toward trusting in ourselves. They lead us away from trusting in Jesus and trusting in ourselves. That's really what the flesh is. It means when I move from 
trusting in Christ, trusting in, my, in, in God and who, what he has done for me for my salvation. And instead, I trust in my own abilities. Um, it's the place where we come to believe we can receive life on our own, grabbing it by our own power, living from within ourselves rather than in Christ. That's the flesh. You know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You got this. You don't need anything. You don't need anyone. Um, you are able to do whatever. In Isaiah 31.1, God said, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. You see that attitude of self-sufficiency that's, that, that God is speaking of in Isaiah 31.1, that is the springboard to the flesh. That's where we go in to that. It's an attitude that's common in our culture and it keeps many people from following Jesus. And it's easy to have that attitude in, in a very prosperous culture. In, in a culture like ours, it's very easy because we're, we're not you know, crying out, where am I going to get my next meal? Where, where, where am I going to take my kid to get medical treatment? Where am I going to whatever? We don't have those issues. So it's easy. Um, and, and people come up with things like uh, religion is just a, a crutch for weak people, for weak-minded people. Or um, people say, or they have an attitude that, that I'm, in, I, I'm in control here. I'm sovereign. Nobody's telling me what to do. I don't need anybody trying to bind me in. Um, and it's an easy path to find, and it's an easier one to get consumed by. It's an easy path to find, and it's even easier to get consumed once you get in it. And, and the attitude of many in Paul's day was that their new freedom in Christ was a license to do whatever they wanted to do. This, and when Paul's writing in Galatians, he's saying, look, you, you don't have a license to do whatever you want to do. You've been saved and brought into Christ, and in Christ is where there is life. And, and they wanted um, to do whatever they wanted to do. Simply they said, well, we've been forgiven by God. We're living by the grace of God. I mean, what, what difference does it make? I, I didn't earn it. Nothing I can do to make it stay. So why not eat, drink, and be merry? And, and so this is where he comes in. And, and in Romans 6, 1 and 2, the answer to that is, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So the, the thing is, is he's saying here, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Leaving the path of total dependence on Jesus to the path of self-sufficiency always ends poorly. It always ends badly. And it's a place where self always comes first. And, and so if the boundaries that, that God has established when we come in, if they seem arbitrary to us, if we, if we look at those boundaries and we see the spacious place that God has brought us, um, and we, we just move them. In the flesh, what we do is we move the boundaries, or we think we move the boundaries. And, and um, the reason we do that is because those boundaries are hindering our self-serving pleasure. They're hindering our ability to do what we think is best, or what we think would be fun, or what we think would be right. And, and so... This is a warning that Paul's giving not to use your freedom in Christ, your new freedom in Christ, to move towards self-sufficiency. So as, as we come in, you know, some examples of that would be, uh, simply put, the attitude of, you know, 
I know the Bible says, but, I mean, it was really written a long time ago. I mean, that book was written 2,000 years ago. I mean, it, the world has really changed in 2,000 years. I mean, it's just so different. And, and you know, what, what worked then doesn't really work now. Say so, you know, tax days coming up, or maybe it was over with, uh, you know, depending on where they move the boundaries of it. But, um, but it'd be coming in and saying, you know, I know the Bible says that I'm supposed to pay my taxes, but I can, I can cut a few corners here and save a few bucks. And, and um, you know, I probably won't get caught. It'll be, it's, it's okay, as long as you don't get caught. And you say, you know, that, that, that was written way back when, and, and they just didn't understand the, the way things are today. And how hard it is for, you know, the guy that's, that's the little guy to get, to get caught up or get ahead. Or it may be a frequent one that, that, um, that I'll hear is, you know, we're planning on getting married, but we're going to go ahead and move in together because we'll save money. Sounds good. Sounds logical. But it doesn't match the Word of God, right? I mean, what, what God says is marriage is way more than living together. It's way more than a physical relationship. It's a covenant that reflects our covenant with God. And inside those boundaries, it's an amazing and beautiful thing. But once you move outside of the boundaries, it's a dangerous place to be. It's a place where you can get hurt. You can have baggage that lasts forever. I mean, there, there are all kinds of things that can happen outside of those boundaries. And this is what, what Jesus is calling us into. He's saying, don't use your freedom. Don't, don't say, well, you know, we're Christians, so. He said, no, don't do that. Don't be that person. Be the person who understands that God has created you for a purpose. He's created you to know him, to make him known, to, to reflect the greatness and the, and the love and the grace and the glory of God to the people around you. And, and as you do that, he's created you to not only experience pleasure in this world, but to experience his pleasure. And, and it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. So our freedom is in him. It's in Christ, not outside of Christ. It's in Christ. And, and the flesh is easily defined. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, Paul, will, uh, a few, few verses down, he'll define the flesh. What is the flesh? Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I was kind of looking over that list, and I was thinking, rivalries, rivalries. we got this archery thing going on Friday. Am I being rivalrous? I mean, because I've told them all that they're losing. I mean, it just makes sense. I put my name on number one, on place number one, because I figured, you know, that's just a, the obvious place. And, and um, is it a rivalry? No, that's just having fun with each other. But, but rivalry would be saying, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to cut their bowstring so that when they pull it back, it explodes. Um, that, that would be the type of thing here saying, you know what, I want to win at all costs. I don't care what it takes or what it does to anybody else. It just doesn't matter. And, and that's outside of the boundaries. And, and as you come in there and, and, and as we look, the gifts of the Spirit, they're also evident. The gifts of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. That's, that's what the scriptures tell us in, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, though, that's, that, that picture right there is a lot better than the works of the flesh, right? I mean, the works of the flesh, you look at it and go, man, that's, that's just, <laughs> that, that's not the place where I want to be. I want to be over here. I want to experience these things. So, <clears throat> so as we come in, salvation is freedom and freedom means we've given a new heart and a new beginning and then we're to resist self-centeredness we are to uh, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but but the final thing is to use your gifts to serve others um, but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another so he comes in, he tells us that we're to use our gifts to serve one another, and that's the antidote to everything that we've just covered, to, to the selfishness. It means that serving others is one of the ways that we fulfill the great commandment. When we serve others, we are doing what Jesus has called us to do. He said in John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So <clears throat> through love, serve one another is the way that we stay on the path that Jesus has for us. This is one of the ways that we stay inside these boundaries that God has so graciously provided to us. And, and honestly, when we look at it, what God says is, you know, the, the boundary lines, the psalmist said, the boundaries have fallen for me in pleasant places. What he's saying is when I'm walking with God, it's amazing. And when I get outside of that, it's a dark place. It's a place that, that seems okay, but then all of a sudden, after a little while, I find out, you know what? There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of heartache here. There are a lot of things happening that, 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 that weren't happening to me before. And I need to get back to where God made me to be and called me to be. So <clears throat> through love, serve one another is, is the way that we stay on this path that Jesus has for us because it's a path of fulfillment. It's a path of growth. It's the path of abundant life. In Galatians 2.20, Paul put it this way. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So Paul, <clears throat> he just said, look, that old man, he has been crucified. I was crucified with Christ. He was put to death. In the life which I now live in, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We don't live according to the flesh, even while we live in this world. We, we live in a body, in a fleshly body, but we don't let this body and its desires drive us. Instead, we allow the things of God to do that. And, and our desire is to please Jesus. So through serving others, the urge to throw off moral restraint and let the flesh drive us is quenched when we're walking with Christ. It, it's, it's, this desire is quenched, and, and we see fellow believers and their needs leading to serving through love. And, and so these things lead us to serve through love, and, and we love sacrificially as we do this. So Paul, he was really simple as he came into it. He said, we serve because it's an expression of love towards others and towards Jesus. He said, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor 
as yourself. So he just said, it's really easy. It changes our view. It changes the way that we see other people. It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way that we see the world around us. It drives us to mercy and grace. It drives us to care for others. A guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones, he put it like this many years ago. He said, we see them now no longer as hateful people who are trying to rob us of our rights or trying to beat us in the race for money or position or fame. We see them as we see ourselves, as victims of sin and of Satan, as the, as the dupes of the God of this world, as fellow creatures who are under the wrath of God and hellbound. We have an entirely new view of them. We see them to be exactly as we are ourselves, and we are both in a terrible predicament. And we can do nothing, but both of us together must run to Christ and avail ourselves of his wonderful grace. We begin to enjoy it together and we want to share it together. That is how it works. It is the only way whereby we can ever do unto others as we would that they should do unto us. It is when we are really loving our neighbor as ourselves because we have been delivered from the thraldom of self that we begin to enjoy the glorious liberty of the children of God. He's just saying, look, when we begin to see the people around us as just like us, we don't see them as those people, but we see them as people who are sinful people just like us, people in need of the grace of God just like us, people who only have hope if they find Christ. He said, that's where it is. That's where it happens. And and that's how we love our neighbor as ourselves. We begin to see people in a whole different frame of reference. For um, Jesus, he told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan, if you know um, a little bit about the history there, a a Samaritan and a Jew, they hated each other. And, And you've got this Samaritan who's going down the road, and he sees this Jewish man on the side of the road. And and the two Jewish guys that go by before, they just pass him up. They don't want to help him. And, and the Samaritan goes by, he sees him. Not only does he go over and, and care for him, um, bind up his wounds and treat his wounds, he loads him up, takes him into town, takes him to a hotel, pays his bill, and, and says, if there's anything else that he owes after this, call me up and I'll make good on it. And Jesus said, that's what it means to be a good neighbor. He said, that's what it means to love other people. It's we love people not because they're like us, not because we agree with their politics, not because they look like us, not because we're in the same country, but we, we love them because Jesus loves us and they're created in his image just like we're created in his image and they are sinners just like us. And we all have the same need and that need is Christ. So... <clears throat> That's how we love our neighbors as ourselves, and that's how we keep from devouring one another. We begin to see one another as people who all have a problem, and that problem is sin, and we all have the same cure for it, and it's Jesus, and we're helping one another as we run and move towards him, and serving one another builds us up. It builds us up in the body of Christ because God has made us, he's created us, To love and love is made known through actions. Love is not something that's off in some weird movie that you don't really want to watch anyway, right? But um, it's, it's not off in that. 
That's not what love is. Love is an action. Love is something that we do for someone. Love is a response. Love is something that's visible and it's real. Martin Luther put it this way 500 years ago. He said, a Christian is free and independent in every respect, a bondservant to none. A Christian is a dutiful servant in every respect, owing a duty to everyone. He said, you know, on one hand, we don't owe anybody anything for our salvation. Jesus did it, he said, but because of what Jesus did for us, we owe everything. We have a a reason to care for one another. We belong to each other and we're made to serve one another. Jesus put it this way. He said, for even the Son of Man came came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, I came to serve, and, and we're called to follow him. So serving is, is, is at the very heart of who we are. When we serve one another, we are serving as if we were serving Christ. And, and so as you come in and look today, what, what are some of the ways that you can serve other people? Have you thought about how can I serve? How can I use the gifts and abilities that God has given to me to serve other people? What, what are your gifts and abilities? I mean, what, what are those things? You know, there, there are people who have all different kinds of abilities and gifts within our church. People who do things inside, outside. Um, there, are, there are people who have um, skills that are very, they're very tangible. I mean, you, you look at them and say, you know what, they, they can fix your electricity. You know, when the breaker just keeps going off, they, they're, they're guys who can come and figure out why it's not working. And, and they're, they're amazing people. And, and you know what? When you've got somebody that they can't afford to hire an electrician and you've got somebody in the body of Christ who says, you know what? I see a need and I'm going to go do that. Or, or they'll come and, and uh, fix something that's broken or whatever. Or maybe it's your neighbor and, and you, um, you see your neighbor over here and something's not right. And you go, you know what? I can fix that. It's not a big deal. It's easy. And you're just able to go do that. that. That's an easy thing. That's a gift. It's an ability. It's a talent. It's something that you have that's tangible. And, and you can use that to make Christ known to someone. You know, a lot of times we, we try to put this stuff in hyper-spiritual terms. And it's just practical, down-to-earth things. Or maybe you couldn't fix anything if your life depended on it. You know, and, and, and when something breaks... The, the way that you fix it is you pick up the phone and call somebody you know who can. And, and for the life of you, you don't understand. I, I have no idea how they can do that. It's the most amazing thing. And, and on the same, by the same measure, they look at you and go, you know what? I don't know how they do what they do. You know, um, maybe you're that person who's able to go sit with someone when they're hurting and, and just be there. And be that, that calm presence of love and assurance that's not trying to pick apart the situation, not trying to explain it away, not trying to say, if you wouldn't have done this, this wouldn't happen. You're not one of Job's friends. You know, you know the story of Job, right? Job, Job is like the most righteous person on the earth, and Job has three stupid friends. And, and, um, and Job is tested by Satan somebody's going oh I got three stupid friends no <clears throat> and and um and, and so um Job he, he loses his family they all die besides his wife then then all of a sudden he loses he loses all of his wealth he was a very wealthy man he lost all of his wealth 
And, and then Satan says, well, he didn't curse you because, you know, you told God in this thing, and he didn't curse you. And, and God said, go ahead, do whatever, but don't kill him. And, and so then he's covered in sores. And he's just scraping the stuff off of him, you know. I mean, this is gross, you know. He's like oozing the pus out with broken pottery. And, and, and then it's, he's just sitting there. His friends come and sit there. They do really good at first. They don't say a thing. And then eventually they go, look, Job, obviously there's sin in your life, buddy. Let's figure it out and get it fixed. And at the end of the story, here's God's, here's God's response. Um, who is this who clouds my counsel with foolishness? In other words, he's saying, Job, your friends are stupid. And, and so he, he tells them, you know, you, you need to go on. You better hope that Job prays for you because you're in trouble. And then he, he speaks to Job and says, look, Job, brace yourself like a man because I'm about to speak to you. And he says, you know what? I don't have to explain myself to you. You, you may not ever understand all this. You're not God. You didn't create it all. You don't, your brain's too small to understand it all. And, and so he just comes in and, and, and just say all that to say, you know what? Sometimes we just need to understand there are things in life that we don't understand, right? There are things that happen that, that we just can't explain away. And no matter how hard we try, when somebody tries to come into the middle of our hurt and, and try to explain it to us, all we want to do is say, just no, just don't. And there are people who have that gift. They have this gift to come and just sit there and be that presence. That's serving. I mean, that's, that, that is somebody who has, has a gift and ability, and, and they can come in and come along beside someone and, and just be there for them. Maybe you have the gift or the ability, or, or you don't have the gift or the ability, but you got the, the time and, and the determination you say you know what bible school is coming up and and i want to be a part of that because i know that kids lives are going to be changed families could be changed that that big things could happen through this and i want to be a part of that and i want to use my gifts and abilities i'm good at working with kids and i want to work with kids or i I, i'm i'm terrified of children but but i'll help with taking care of making sure the trash cans are empty or whatever it takes i mean there's all kinds of jobs to do you can sign up for it afterwards but but looking at it how do i serve how do i come in and be a part of that how do i use what god has given to me to show him to others um, how can you help others with material needs one of the one of the things that as i look at our church and, and i see one of the things in our church that is one of the greatest things, I think, is, is the way that people in our church have given, have given to help others. I mean, I've seen it for the 25 years that I've been here. I've seen it over and over again, people being helped. They've had medical bills that there was no way they could touch. People have helped with that. They've had needs with um, food, electricity, gas. Um, they've had needs with things in, the, in their house being fixed or work done or whatever and, and people coming and helping with these material needs and, and it's amazing and it's a good thing to be a part of that because you know what that's what God has called us to he said that we are to serve one another he said you um, <clears throat> through love to serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourselves it is caring for others so as as we come in you know how can we help others with material needs with things that that need to be done both inside the church and outside of the church when we help people outside we help people outside of our church just like we help people in i mean 
You know, we, we don't really have this boundary. This is where we only help people who go here. I mean, we help, we help people all over. Um, what are some of the needs? Or who do you know that's in need that you can help? I mean, have you thought about it? Have you thought about who do I know that I can help? That I can be the love of, that I can show the love of Christ through just doing something for them. What are some of the needs within the church that you can help with? I mean, what are, as you look around and see different things, you know, have you thought about it? How can I serve? How can I be a part of what God is doing here? Um, and do you let others serve you? Do you let other people serve you? Now think about that a minute. Do you let, when other people want to serve you, when they ask to do something for you, do you let them? Because it's important to. It is very important to let other people serve you. And, and to not is, is letting your pride take over. And it's robbing them. It's robbing them of the joy of serving and what God has called us to do. So sometimes we need to be able to do that, to just step back and say, you know what, I, I, I really do. I appreciate your help, and thank you for serving, or thank you for whatever it is. And, and when we do that, we allow other people to come in. Um, <clears throat> you may be at a place where you need someone to help you, and, and that's an opportunity for someone else to grow through serving you. It's just an opportunity for someone else to grow. You see, they're, they're so, and, and I've just scratched the surface, but when we talk about serving, we're better together when we serve, when we serve one another, when we serve together to help others outside of our church, to show them the love of Christ, because as people see this and they see us serving, these are things that happen. There are people who, now I've talked about kind of things to do, but, but there are people, that, they're just good at praying. And that's how they serve. They pray for people constantly. They are, they are constantly able to do that. They're not people who want to be out in front. They want to be in, in the back, and they want to be there, and they're fighting the battle in prayer for others in coming. And they're the people that you can count on. When you've got a need, you can, you can take it to them. You know, you know what? They, they, they didn't just throw it up and, and pray it. They have prayed over it. I mean, they have spent time over it invested in it and, and come in there there's so many different ways that this fleshes out but it, it's not it's, it's not something that's just some hyper spiritual thing it's so practical and it's so real and, and it's just a way for each of us to use the way that God has made us however it is to serve others to be there for others let's pray father we thank you today for the way that you blessed us and enabled us to serve one another and doing so to serve you. Father, we thank you for the salvation that you've given to us, the freedom that we have in Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we would use that as an opportunity to make him known to others through our actions and through our love. Father, I, I pray that you would strengthen us as a church and help us to be a place that serves and builds each other up. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just stand as Greg leads us.
of the youth group of their mission trip. So y'all sit down and got a video of somebody serving or a bunch of kids serving. <clears throat> All right, so they uh, went up north to Fairbanks and cut wood at a Christian camp over spring break. So that's what our, our youth group did. It was a good trip for them, a good trip for our church. We're going to close now in word prayer. Guys, if you want to sign up to shoot, it's uh, out there. It's Friday night. If you don't have a bow, there's bows there that you can borrow. So I uh, want to encourage you to come. We're going to close now in word of prayer. Jeff, would you lead us?